0: Interest in local and operating business at a community level has grown, and this includes a growth in people looking to cooperatives. And then now they're setting them up, which is great. But for one cooperative, its roots are well and truly established. The Kalani Cooperative is celebrating 100 years of serving the farming community, which surrounds this small, beautiful Queensland country town that's about 184 kilometres southwest of Brisbane. It started in 1922 with just under 50 members, its shareholders, and less than a handful of staff. Our roving reporter, Michael Kavanagh, spoke to the general manager, Marissa Castello.
1: Mel, like a lot of co-ops, they started just really with one idea, and in this case, as a dairy, and uh, it's gone on from there. You and I have talked, and we've seen co-ops that have expanded, ones now that are running hardware stores and what have you. This one, 100 years on, they'd have something to smile about, wouldn't they?
0: So they say that this is a really cooperative town. It all started around this dairy cooperative. Is that what you're saying, Michael?
1: That's right, and it's expanded, but it's still very much rooted in the town and also in the rural sector. And the uh, general manager, Marissa Costello, I think in a way reflects a lot of the ideas of very early co-ops. Now, Marissa's career with the co-op started well and truly with generations of her family being involved, not just as farmers dealing with the co-op in a commercial sense, but in other ways as well.
2: So these days, a lot of cropping, a lot of broadacre cropping, potatoes as well big potato area beef cattle just um yeah dairying has pretty well finished up in the area only very few left but that's where we are at the moment
1: well 100 years ago it was dairy how did the co-op itself come about
2: uh so uh, started in 1922 when there was a pretty primitive factory in town which was owned by businessmen and um, some farmers in the area and it was struggling, really struggling. And at the time there was a manager there, Christy Peterson, he was uh, from Europe and he knew all about co-ops and he sort of set about getting a group of the suppliers together and turning it into a co-op. He really saw the benefit in that and very well-versed in how co-ops work. So he sort of rounded them up and got got a group of the suppliers together and they they subscribed share capital and, and purchased the old factory, 41 suppliers initially of all the local butter suppliers.
1: And so that was primarily, it was purely dairy, but in fact the butter seems to have played a fairly large part in that dairy at the time.
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it was a, a yeah, butter factory. So they they provided their cream to the to the factory. And then once it became a co-op, well, everybody was sharing in the in the proceeds.
1: And 41 shareholders then, and I understand four staff. And that's going back a hundred years. Now, a lot of co-ops, there seems to be that generational aspect and even though your family, your, family, your great grandparents started off in dairy, then, like a lot in the area, they moved into beef. But even with you, there was a link in relation to the operation of the co-op going back those several generations.
2: Yeah, that's right. So uh, the co-op has had quite a few over the years of um, multi-generation employees. My grandfather actually worked at the co-op, he was an engine driver. So he was and he worked there when he was a young man and then he went off to war or well to training and he then came back to the co-op and he did a couple of stints there as the engine driver and was very very loyal to the co-op and over many years um, you know I remember him being very loyal to the co-op even once the butter factory had ended we often think about how if my grandparents were in Warwick, so 30 kilometres away, that if they were in Warwick for an appointment, they if they weren't going to catch the co-op on their way home for milk, if it was going to be closed, they would go without until the next day because they wouldn't buy their milk anywhere else. They'd, they'd always be very big supporters of the co-op.
1: You mean to say that even if they were going to have a cup of tea that night and they knew that they wouldn't have any milk to go with their cup of tea, they wouldn't stop at the corner store at Warwick?
2: yeah that's right, yes, yep. It, was it
1: loyalty, or they also reckoned the milk tasted different?
2: <laughs> no, no, pure loyalty. So that was right up until after that well after the the butter factory or anything finished and it was just a pure retail store, they wouldn't buy it anywhere else. How
1: much, too, the fact that your grandfather, he could talk about being an engine driver and you would have seen the trains and you would have seen everything going on in that area. How much of an influence did that possibly have on you? Because you have spent a large part of your working life at the co-op to the point now where you're the general manager.
2: Yeah, it's always been a special uh, place for me, I guess. Um, it's always been a part of, I've, I've grown up in Killarney since I was a, a young person and just the co-op was always there and it was always a big part of our, our lives. And I started there when I was, um, I, I think, around 14, I initially went and I was answering phones on a Saturday morning. I did leave in the middle but yeah I've been back there for 21 years and yeah gradually made my way to general manager. That
1: involvement there must have been times though for example and not just at Kalani, we've seen this happening in most rural areas particularly the dairy areas you had the price fluctuations and you had going back to, what was it, around 1974, the area really started to decline when it came to the dairy industry. Was there ever that feeling amongst you and others that there wouldn't be a future working for the co-op?
2: That's all well before my time. (laughs) Um, Trust me on the (laughs) (laughs) nineteen seventy four. Yes, make it clear,
1: I can remember 1974, (laughs) you can't.
2: Yeah, that's right, exactly. Um, But it it must have been just such a um, a strange period there where they were trying to transition out of the butter factory, which was really in decline into trying to still have a co-op at the end of it all and and still keep jobs in town and keeping people employed.
1: Because Kalani... Kalani is a uh, small town it's got to compete with Warwick which is just down the road so people would go shopping there the schools at Kalani end earlier that well, I think it's what year 10
2: yeah that's right yes
1: and so there's that pull of Warwick how have you managed to cope with that in relation to the co-op because you're clocking up that 100th year so you must be doing something right
2: yeah, we, we get really good support from the town. It it can be difficult being so close to Warwick. Everything is there. Um, you know, there's competition there from all departments. But we we do get really good support from the town and we we try to employ a lot of a lot of school kids, but like you say, they they finish in Kalani at year ten, which is a bit of a challenge, but we try and get them in young and teach them what the co-op's all about.
1: Well, and you still off by answering the way. phones on the weekends. Is that still done that you're getting, say, the kids of 14, 15 and saying, look, there's casual work and it can lead on to other things?
2: Yeah, absolutely, yes. And we um, we probably have around 15 kids on at any time. And if we can turn some of those into good long-term employees, well, that's that's really good. There are certainly some senior staff there now who started out as juniors like I did.
1: What about attracting, because you employ agronomists as well, if I remember correctly, and we'll go into why you have people like that, is it hard to attract people into working at something like the Kalani Co-op if they're not from that area?
2: Yeah, it can be, yes. Um, Kalani's a beautiful place and it's nice and close to everything, but it's it's tricky to drag people out of the city or just to somewhere new. It's, yeah, trying to find find somebody to fit those roles that when they haven't grown up in a co-op environment to know, um, have some loyalty to the place is, can be tricky.
1: Now, we talked about the dairy industry in the area itself being dated back to 1974 declining, but that wasn't... Later on, though, what made the Kalani Co-op go out of dairy around about what time and look at involving itself in other operations.
2: Yeah so if we going right back right back to at least when the co-op started it was purely a supplier co-op so it was just that butter factory but all of the farmers they they had to have certain equipment they had to have separators and engines that sort of thing so some of the spare parts for that the rubberware bits and pieces were kept by the co-op so initially they were just kept in the office and the the suppliers could come and buy them from the co-op and as time went on that built that there was more things that the dairy farmers needed just to keep their operation going so over the years that turned into a full department they had full trading which then eventually there was hardware and that we put in a feed mill it it really just evolved as the needs of the supplier changed and the needs of the town changed as different businesses closed down in town or or, you know, for whatever reason, they, we needed them. So it just built up around that. So by the time in that early 80s, around 80, 82, when the butter factory totally closed down, by that stage, the trading side of the co-op, the goods trading was already underway. So it was nothing like it is today. But obviously the board of the day could see that there was still that need in town for the co-op to be supplying, which then continued to grow from there.
1: Was that a bit of a buffer? Because uh, if you hadn't had, even though it was a part of the operation, do you think that helped it survive whereas if it hadn't had the manufacturing side and the whole dairy industry was collapsing, do you think the Kalani Co-op would have continued to prosper like it has today?
2: No, I, I, I don't. I think that it could have gone two ways. We could have either gone really big into the, in, continuing in the dairy side and the butter factory, which our supplies were declining and, and other factories were taking over from that. So, so some certainly survived, but you had to be the one to survive or you have to diversify into other things. And they were well placed to do that, but over the years, many, many decisions led to it being what it is today.
1: Clocking up 100 years for a co-op in the primary sector is not a bad achievement going to the second 100 years and being optimistic is certainly very good and that's the case of the Kalani Co-op near Warwick in Queensland. started as a dairy co-op back in 1921 and I'm now talking to the general manager of the Kalani Co-op, Marissa Costello. It seems to be that the co-ops that work almost seem to be diametrically opposed, you've got them all with primary production routes. You've got large dairy co-ops like Norco or meat processing, and they're very much focused on that one part of the primary sector. Or then you've got co-ops like Kalani, and in New South Wales, let's use the Hastings co-op as an example, that have gone into more the retail and the service side, and have done just as well. Do you think that for co-ops to continue to survive, they've got to be as clear-cut as going down one of two ways?
2: I think so, and potentially that's business in general. You need a clear direction. But, yes, I I agree with what you're saying. I think one way or the other, you have to really be focused on what what you're wanting to supply to your shareholders or your members.
1: Well, in Kalani's case, you went down the retail, the commercial side and obviously the basis was already there because of the parts and the assistance you're providing for the dairy farmers. You've really diversified now in, you've got supermarkets, you've got other retail outlets. How does that work in an area like Kalani? Because as we've just mentioned, you've got Warwick down the road, even then that would be competition for you fairly dramatically
2: yeah it definitely is and i think for us it's our diversity that does keep us going so we have all of the departments so where it might be a drought year and and we're very big on the 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 hay and the cotton seed those sort of products that's all well and good because people aren't buying TVs and fridges but it, they they balance each other out depending on what sort of year we're having and we're able to, if one department's going really well, we're able to not so much carry, but, but keep other departments going, where if you were just the electrical store in town or, or the supermarket in town, that would be much more difficult, I think. In, in a town, certainly the size of Kalani with around a thousand people, it's hard to keep all of those things going.
1: Well, whereas the co-op has moved largely away from primary production, you've got the consumer, but you are still involved closely with the agriculture sector because, as you mentioned, it's an area where there's a lot of grain growing, and that has provided a area that the co-op's been involved in with um, the whole thing of uh, stock feed.
2: Yeah, so that's the the biggest part of our business volume wise is that we manufacture stock feed and we purchase grain from direct from farm as well so that's the way that we keep it in that cooperative spirit is that we're buying back from the farmer and and finding a market for their grain or turning it into stock feed and selling it back to the to the cattle guys.
1: How closely do you work with those farmers and I assume you prefer to deal with those in the area before having to bring in grain from elsewhere?
2: yeah definitely. yes. So we work really closely with them, and in a lot of cases, it's right from the point of that they're purchasing the seed off us, and then they're planting and then we have our um, we work with some agronomists to to help out where the need arises. um and we provide the the fertilizer and the chemicals, that sort of thing. And then as it goes on, we eventually then we'll buy that back off them and and market the grain.
1: How much did you possibly think a couple of years ago in a terrible drought, getting hold of that grain, did it ever cross your mind that this is going to go down the same direction as when dairy prices went through the floor and you must have thought, is this part of the operation, which you now depend a lot upon, is it going to keep going?
2: Yeah, the tricky side there was that we were having to supply and and having to get those supplies from further afield where normally all of that money that would normally be going back into our local community from us buying it from the farmers, that grain just wasn't there. So we were having to buy it from quite far afield. And you worry about the flow on effects for the years to come from that, all the money that wasn't getting turned over in our local economy. But, you know, the business was strong before that, which was good. We weren't necessarily worried about our future, but just worried about how the next few years could go.
1: As a co-op, how do you work out the cost of shares? What sort of financial involvement is required of anyone that wants to be a part of the co-op?
2: So initially, uh, our shares are $2 and people need to buy a minimum of 25 shares. So it's not a huge investment, $50 up to a maximum of 500 shares and to to retain their active membership, they need to spend fifty dollars a year. So they need to just keep that involvement in the co-op.
1: And as a member, what if you're a grain grower, what sort of benefit would they get as opposed to a person that lives in town and uses as a shareholder the um, retail outlet?
2: so we we offer a shareholder discount, which is across uh, it varies a little bit across all of the departments, but if you're a shareholder, you can you can access that. Um, so there are certain times where products are hard to come by in, in the rural side. We might be, cottonseed, for example, is a good one that that when it's dry, everyone's looking for it. Well, all preference goes to our shareholders. There's times where we can't supply anybody else.
1: And there's the minimum of the 25 ownership, maximum of 500. Where does that play out also in decisions by the co-op in the sense that... If you've got those 500 shares does that give you 500 votes
2: No so the nature of of the co-op is that every member has one vote So it doesn't matter what sort of investment you're putting in you you might get better dividends because you've got more invested of course but you just get one vote
1: And what about dispersal of shares if, if someone that's been a shareholder for a long time been a farmer in the area or Someone that's buying supplies from you in other ways, and they decide time's up. What's the disposal of shares? How does that operate?
2: Yes, um, application to the board to have them cashed in. So you can just, if you've yeah, if you've left the area or if you're not not dealing with the co-op anymore, you you can apply to have those shares cashed back in.
1: Now we've talked about the feed and providing that and the buying in of grain, but you're also in the retail. Side, you've mentioned white goods and supermarket. Does that work exactly the same in that obviously people get discounts? What about buying in product? Like you like to buy the grain from the local area. In the other parts of the operation of the co op, obviously Kalani, you mentioned what a population of a thousand, you must have to look further afield.
2: Yes, definitely. So we buy local where we can, if there is local fruit and veg. uh, Local flowers, that sort of thing. We will buy in locally and and resell, but for most of most of the retail departments, of course, yes, we do have to have to buy. So we're we're a member of a lot of different buying groups. We're FoodWorks, Home Hardware, Better Electrical, Australia Post, and CRT. So we we purchase through those groups to get the best buying power for the members.
1: And with a co-op, you mentioned their FoodWorks, which is. A supermarket. Does that mean that you're competing against other outlets, or is there a deal with the co-op dealing with food works? Are you treated in any way differently?
2: Uh, no, just another customer to them. Yes, and then we're able to then provide to our members whatever benefits we can get through the group, but we don't get anything in better from them in particular for being a co-op.
1: Kalani, a small town. You've got Warwick just down the road. You're going into the centenary of the co-op. Certainly a change from when they sat down in 1921 and looked at the dairy industry. How do you see co-ops? They seem to be enjoying a bit of a resurgence. Some people talk about how COVID has, in fact, made people look closer to home. How do you see something like the Kalani? co-op why is it doing well
2: I think the co-op movement is popular at the moment whether that's something specific to us I I don't know because the co-op's been a part of Kalani for like you say 100 years Um, I think that there's definitely a real feeling in Australia of buying locally and supporting locally which I think has certainly helped us and has helped many small businesses
1: And the actual co-op itself, its involvement in the community, and you look at some of the aerial shots of the co-op on your website, you can't miss it. It's a dominating feature (laughs) of uh, Kalani. What's its involvement in the community? There are some co-ops that channel the surplus into such things as scholarships or uh, sporting facilities, or the money goes back into the shareholders. What involvement does the Kalani Co-op have with the town of Kalani? Apart from being obviously the places you can buy from.
2: Yeah, that's right. We we support many, many uh, organisations through town. We have got a community support program which has been running for more than 10 years where customers can actually choose which beneficiaries in town they would like their distribution to go to and, and we'll support those groups based on how many of our members would like the support to go to them. But we certainly sponsor all of the local schools and the community groups and clubs and sporting groups, the local show and have done for, of course, you know, 100 years. So we support as much as what we can.
1: Where do you see the actual Kalani Co-op itself doing in the sense that you're now going into your second centenary? Everything moves. We're seeing a lot more shopping online, for example probably because of COVID, you've got click and collect, those sort of things. How's that playing out in such a small town such as Kalani, that's got this very traditional business name there that's well-known generationally? How's that playing out with you, you as general manager having to think about the second hundred years?
2: Yeah, it's certainly a changing time for retail across most of our departments, we, we offer an online presence. We offer online grocery shopping, for instance, and, and we do click and collect or, or delivery. And that's also through the hardware store and the, the electrical store. And so that's opened up some more opportunities for us as well, where people wouldn't necessarily be supporting us otherwise, but are able to through those channels. And then also we do, we we probably have a lot of information in that we we also have the post office, so, the volume of parcels that come into town is pretty eye opening as well. So, <laughs> we to a degree know what we're missing out on as well.
1: That's actually a good indication, probably when you've been, what you, you say to people, why did you buy that way? Or do you go out and actually, because you've got the thing, I suppose, too, co op members, are they more partial to tell you where they think you've got it wrong and also where you've got it right?
2: Yes, yes, they are. Um, we often say to potential staff, y- you need to be watching. It's not just one person walking through and seeing how you're interacting with customers. It's 2,200 members who are seeing it day in, day out. And they can be much more critical of the service that they might get from us than they would from a big chain store. But at the same time, a lot of them, it's just like family and they very, very supportive and happy to give us a bit of feedback good or bad.
1: How's Kalani, the town and the co-op coping with the fact that a lot of country towns the population is getting older and you were talking about how you like to get the young people in to start off is that a problem just in not so much the moving away but people not coming to the area?
2: Yeah it's it's a tricky time I think to try to find staff once people leave yeah whether they come back or whether they only come back to retire can be tricky the town itself is going really well we've got a real tourist presence at the moment but people who are actually wanting to stay here and wanting to work is pretty hard
1: do you think people are really aware like as you say people are uh, seeing a resurgence and an interest in co-ops the general public still. Do you think that they understand the role that co-ops play, particularly in towns of Kalani size with strong rural roots?
2: No, not always. We find our, even our members they don't necessarily know the backstory or anything about the co-op principles. All they know is that if they buy shares, they get a bit of a discount. We certainly see it more in our shareholders who are also members of other co-ops that they properly understand a bit better I think everyone just looks at it as what they can you know how their personal experience is with a co-op.
1: Now you talked about how you're buying grain locally and you try to support local producers you have things like a market day you've got uh, the involvement with Foodworks the supermarket operation are you also trying to possibly deal like you've got your agronomist dealing with local horticulture and possibly trying to get as much of the local veggies and fruit as possible?
2: Yeah, we're probably already doing that um, as much as we can, just from our local side, because there there isn't a lot. Uh, but the ones who are around, we try to support where we can, but always looking for opportunities.
1: hundred years down the track, what sort of things do you expect? To be implementing over the next few years, that you would see as still being a part of the foundation and helping it to grow.
2: Yeah, I think most of most of what we've got now is is hopefully um, able to stand the test of time. And I think looking back, I've done a fair bit of history research on our co-op, and it's always been just what the shareholders need and what what the town needs that. It's, we've never gone out of our way to pick up business that is available elsewhere. We've always just looked to try to just complement what we're doing now. So that is just continual progression with adding new products and new new lines that, that the customers need. So hopefully we'll be able to continue to do that over the next 100 years. And as the town grows, yes, I'm sure it was the same for the men who were doing this 100 years ago, there's no way that they could imagine that it is what it is now and probably the same for us.
1: Well, 100 years, what's the feeling about the town towards that they realise that it has been there in one form or another for the past century?
2: Yeah, so just starting to build a bit of excitement now. We we had our 99th birthday last week, so we're just starting to really hit that entering our 100th year and and there's starting to be quite a bit of talk about it and what will happen and what celebrations there are going to be
1: you mentioned about the men involved what's the feeling because you must be fairly happy the granddaughter of the engine driver for the co-op a woman as the general manager
2: yeah it's um it's pretty crazy we it's probably still a lot of shareholders who are of that that like my grandparents' age that would never have thought that they would see the day. Um, it's certainly different now, and I definitely don't feel like I'm any different by being being a female in this position than than a man being in it. But it has certainly created a bit of interest being first um, first female general manager in the hundred years.
1: Well, with that hundred years, how important is it also? for the other businesses in Kalani to kind of know that the co-op is there. Like, as you say, you don't want to do things that would impact upon the other businesses. At the same time, how do they react? And do you hear from other businesses, them telling you what you should be doing?
2: Occasionally, yeah. We, um, we get really good support and we've got great relationships with the other businesses in town. Um, no doubt if you, if you came to start a business in, in Kalani, you'd have to be looking at what else is there and, and seeing what the likes of the co-op is doing and, and it obviously could be seen as a bit of a threat but we, the businesses who are in town, we, we have great support from and, yeah, works really well.
1: Do you have much dealings with other co-ops, whether they look at you and think, "Geez, they've been doing something right for the last 100 years or you go to a co-op and say, look, we're thinking about this. Do you find much discussion in that field?
2: Um, not really, no. There has been over the years, but not. we don't have many places that are really similar to us, of course, so it, is, it can be tricky like that.
1: Is that one of the reasons you think you've done well, is that because you are a little bit different, both the area and the way the co-op is situated both physically and economically in the town?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think all the decisions have, obviously they haven't got everything right over the years, but everything's just been about making sure that the right decisions are made for for the shareholders and, and what we can bring to them. So I think our diversity and, and making sure that what we're doing fits our town is what has made us different.
1: Marissa, thank you very much for your time and enjoy the second 100 years.
0: No worries. Thanks for your time. Marissa Costello. General Manager of Kalani Co-op, which is close to the Queensland-New South Wales border. What started as a butter factory a 100 years on is involved in the rural economy and looking to the next 100 years, very much part of the ongoing wealth building in the region. Michael, going from Queensland and a cooperative celebrating 100 years, where do we head to in the next podcast?
1: Mel, heading overseas, in fact, to a country very much steeped in cooperatives. And in this case, its operation now well established in Australia and the rural economy.
0: I hope you enjoyed this latest episode of Meet the Co-op Farmers. If you'd like to know anything about setting up or running a successful agricultural cooperative, you can find out everything you need to know at the Co-op Farming website. That's www.coopfarming.coop. That's right, C-O-O-P for cooperative. Please, share this with your mates. If you enjoyed this story, we really do want to get the great stories of farming cooperation out there. And remember, in a troubled world, with all of the challenges, but also the opportunities we have, we really are better together. I'm Melina Morrison, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Meet the Co-op Farmers.